Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining our virtual support group. For details, visit us at recovering2.com. We know what you're going through and we're here to help. We're Recovering Too. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. We are back and we have a special guest today. It is my neighbor, Al. Hi, Al. Welcome. Hi, Liz. Welcome, Welcome Al. Glad to have you. Hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. Hi, so, <laughs> so we were um, sitting out in the driveway one night and Al was, we were all talking, uh, quarantine, you know, driveway drinking and Steve didn't have a drink in his hand and somehow out of nowhere Al came out of the blue and said hey Steve what's the worst drug you've ever tried Steve dropped the bomb of heroin and then Al you immediately said oh wow something to the effect of oh wow my dad was a drug addict and he died of an overdose and it was just like oh my god like I had no idea and and you guys had no idea we've lived next to each other for four or five years now and you've never known any of that about Steve. No. So that is why, um, you know, you grew up with your dad who had um, addiction issues. And so um, I'm so glad that you're here to talk about that because I think this is a really wonderful perspective to have a child who grew up with a parent um, who had um, substance ab- abuse disease. So, oh, that, yeah, that's, thanks that's for coming. Okay. I didn't know. I mean, to be honest with you, thank you for having me, by the way. I guess I never really thought about it as an interesting story or anything is just it was just life I guess you know for a long time so thank you yeah yeah so can you tell us maybe a little bit about your family how many siblings okay yeah I mean that um, type of thing so obviously my mom dad they were together pretty much all the way up until I was 13 they they were married um have four brothers my dad had two daughters uh you know, not by my mother. So there's the, you know, that dynamic. So those two, the two sisters, they didn't live with us. They're from Michigan, uh, near, uh, Flint, Michigan is where they're from. Um, but other than that, I mean, grew up pretty, what I thought was a normal family, you know, East side of Indianapolis. And, um, you know, I was one of the few people where their father was around. So that was a very unique thing that my dad was, there even when he wasn't there in quotes but he was there um he was mm-hmm. a good you know my dad was a great guy you know he he was the kind of he was the favorite uncle he was the the guy great storyteller i mean he was really kind of like the life of the party guy everybody wanted him around and wanted to be around him including me you know and you know it was, it was i remember being overall happy Mostly my mom, she was really heavy into the Christian faith. And so that meant we did a lot of church ourselves. And, you know, we were the real, you know, Bible thumpers. Women wear dresses, you know, boys don't wear shorts even in the summer and, you know, stuff like that. So it was real So at any time then, like as a kid, when did you know that your dad was using drugs or did you ever know at the time or is that something that you found out later in life you know I guess I'd known for a long time that he did drugs I never really saw him do anything you know ever right uh I never so I couldn't tell you uh at the time that I ever knew if he was high around me because I never saw it except for weed marijuana you know uh, that was about the only thing i i have a picture upstairs in uh the hallway 
of my dad sitting down with a bottle of gin, uh, and he's got a joint in his hand. He's with a buddy of his. So, yeah, I knew he smoked weed, but I didn't know all the other stuff until I got old enough to even know what that stuff was. So, yeah, I mean, I was uh, probably not until I was 13 did I understand that it was, you know, a problem for him or something like that, or even come close to, like, thinking of it that way. So he was, it was never like in my face, although there's a ton of like signs when I go back and look as, you know, 40 year old, you know, I know now, but like at the time I didn't, yeah. know. I didn't really so what, are those, what are some of those signs that you're talking about? Like when you go back, you know, now and you're like, oh yeah, that was a sign you didn't realize then. Oh, so there, so I begged my parents to let me play football for uh, as long as I can remember. Finally, uh, my dad comes home one day. You guys are playing football. And we were like, yeah. So me and my youngest brother, you know, he's in second grade. I'm in fourth grade. But at that time, we all played together, fourth, second through fourth graders, go to practice. You know, we get dropped off at practice. Uh, practice is over. Everybody leaving. And this is before cell phones, you know. And... Uh, me and my brother and my uh, brother just older than me, uh, we're all standing there because he used to come to our practices and watch and waiting on our dad. And, he, you know, and finally the coach just puts us in the car and takes us home. You know, that's probably mm -hmm. the first sign I, I didn't realize or I didn't really know because I didn't know any better. I just remember being sad and upset, <laughs> you know, but. That wasn't the that wasn't the last time. That was the first time, but that wasn't the last time that something like that happened to the point where we had to start asking, you know, uh, teammates or coaches, "Hey, can you take us home if my dad doesn't come back?" or you know, this and that. But he would get upset at us if we found an alternate ride and he came back for us. I told you guys to wait for me or something like that, and it'd be like, "Dad, we know you're coming back. Practice was over an hour and a half ago." You know, so it was a, a big conflict there. Yeah. So that would happen. That's so confusing as a kid oh, because yeah. you're you're not sure are they coming. You have examples of past times when he didn't come, but then you don't have your dad mad at you, obviously. Right. Like Yeah. I, yeah. That would be Yeah, and I mean hard my to dad wasn't really a, a super strict or stern guy, but when he was, I mean you you listen because it wasn't a common thing for him. So yeah, you, you just, I mean, you had to just figure it out, <laughs> you know, was he really going to come or, Hey mom, what do we do here? That kind of thing. And my mom, she'd probably be at church or something like that. So she wouldn't be able to come get us until nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock, which is way too late for a fourth grader, a sixth grader and a second grader, you know? <laughs> so, but we had each other. Yeah. So I guess that was good. <laughs> that's yeah, a silver sure, lining sure. yeah <laughs> anything else that kind of comes back as uh, you get man. older uh there's the there's this one time where he swore to us again it was a lot about when growing up it was a lot about not being able to really depend on whatever he told you you know um well i mean when he was there he was he was a presence, you know what I mean? And, and you loved him and you couldn't get mad at him or, or stay upset for a long time. But, you know, it, it happened a lot, you know, where there was one time where he swore he got uh, kidnapped and, oh, they threw me in the trunk and we believe, we believed him, you know, until my mom goes, boy, you didn't believe, there's no way you could have believed him, you know, that she, or she like, if you believe that happened, you know, or something like that, and then I go, well, why would he lie to me about that? You know, he, he got kidnapped, you know, so it was just little stuff like that. And that's why I didn't show up. Or I remember my parents, yeah. uh, one of their biggest fights, you know, was when um, I think, uh, let me see, one of their biggest fights was probably uh, when he went to go, uh, well, he was at work, you know, and they got, they didn't do direct deposit back then, you know what I mean? So uh, my mom, you know, my dad shows up, you know, I'm thinking drunk. I, I just assumed drunk, you know, and she comes in and she's just giving him the business because he just spent his whole check, 
And I thought maybe he gambled or I don't, I didn't know. I was, you know, fifth grader at the time and he had spent the entire check. So, and she just, she was crying. I didn't, my mom did not cry a lot. I can count on one hand how many times I've seen my mother cry. And, uh, and she cried a lot, you know, during that time. And then, so what she started doing is just, she would go to his work at lunchtime because she knew that's when they gave out the check, take his check from him, go cash it, give him basically an allowance that, so that way we could pay bills, you know, cause he was the main source of income. So, yeah. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, that was, I know, I think that's when I started being conscious of like money, I think in a way, you know, and, you know, maybe that's when I thought well, maybe I should start working and, and things like that. I mean, I was too young to really do anything, but, you know, I did start picking up jobs here and there and odd jobs for neighbors and, and just try to make a way to where my mom didn't have to pay for something or, you know, my parents were clearly struggling. So where I, I could sort of do it on my own sort of thing. Did you ever notice like yeah. um, oh. in their, relationship like when you look back did you notice like the dynamic of their relationship being kind of about the addiction or affected by the addiction in any way say that one more time I'm sorry I kind of spaced on you no it's yeah. okay just like did you ever notice like the dynamic between your mom and dad changing because of the addiction or being impacted oh, well yeah I mean because the other part is you know my mom and my dad when they first met they were really I mean 19 and 16 years old, you're about a three year difference. And, uh, you know, they were, uh, they were party animals, you know, my, my mom didn't do anything heavy or anything, but she, you know, she'll tell you she's pot and things like that. But, you know, once she got in the church and she got deep in the church and the deeper she got, I think the more strained that relationship became because she didn't want to be around the smoking and the drinking because she didn't do it anymore. And so that wasn't like a, a, a thing for her anymore. So now we, we had a lot of church people in the house. And so my dad, if he wanted to drink, he had to leave the house, you know, even though he, you know, any other drug he left the house for anyway, but now, you know, he couldn't even be around his own family if he was planning on drinking a beer or this or that, because he knew how much, it would offend my mom and her friends and things like that. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely a strained relationship there. I mean, I know, uh, you know, about it is my dad was also a, a rolling stone, if you will. You know, he he found a, you know, he found his shoes under several beds, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know, so that also started straining the relationship quite a bit. You know, I think. And he probably found people that were more into the things he was into. So uh, that, I think, coupled with the drugs, you know, I think my mom could have dealt with the whole infidelity part. But, you know, both of those, you know, sort of together, I think, is what sort of was the doom for their relationship. But I know my mom still loved him dearly, but like she just couldn't like for us handle it anymore, you know. It was just too much stress on her and things like that. When did they yeah. separate? Were you guys, was he still alive or did? Yeah, yeah, no, he was. Okay, so we just found out recently that they technically never like finished the divorce stuff, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So they were technically still legally married. And I think my mom thought she was divorced, but she wanted to keep the name. They actually even went to court you know, to finish everything up, you know, and I guess some paperwork did not get filed because they didn't use lawyers. They just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, went before a judge and they, they never had t- technically got divorced, but like, um, he, he left, uh, actually he threw me, uh, my, I, I would complain because I have a January birthday, which is right after Christmas. You know, he's got the, the short end of the stick my brothers are all you know later you know before christmas birthdays and so i was i really complained i'm like god i'm turning 13 come on i need a birthday party we never have a birthday party for me blah blah blah. we always just went out to eat or whatever and uh and so my dad says he's gonna throw me a birthday party well he was missing for like five days that happened a lot as well 
you know, where it just, you wouldn't see him for days and he'd just be gone. Yeah. And you'd call, I'd call my uncles and everybody and, you know, they would kind of cover for him, you know, and, oh, I hadn't seen him, this and that. And later you find out that they, you know, I found out as an, an adult that, yeah, no, they knew exactly where he was. You know, they just didn't tell me or didn't feel it was their place to say to me where he was, you know. And he shows yeah. up, you know, he actually did pay for my birthday party and everything. But he, he shows up that day, has a girl, his girlfriend in the car, you know, and basically, you know, hangs out for about an hour or so for at my birthday. And then, you know, kind of says his goodbyes or whatever. And that was pretty much when we knew it was pretty much done. And I don't remember exactly what my mom said, but, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, it is what it is. We'll keep moving on. We've basically been doing it since, you know, since you haven't been around anyway. So, and it was kind of, I'm sure he came up with an excuse as to where he had been that whole time. And, uh, he kind of smoothed it over because he was good at that. And I remember not being upset about it, maybe a little bit relieved, you know, that my mom didn't have to deal with it as much, you know, but also upset because my dad was one of my biggest supporters. Like, it's weird. It was super weird because he had his demons, you know what I mean? But when he was there, he was there 100 percent. It was there was no question. So, so yeah, there was there was no question that that he loved us. I mean, people told us constantly um, you know, at his funeral and things like that, or like when I would meet people, they'd be like, oh, you're, you're junior, you know, and oh my gosh, you know, this and that, and like, oh, you're the smart one, or that, oh, your dad talks about, oh, hey, oh man, do you guys win in football, or this and that, and I'd be like, I don't know you person, but like, you know, so I knew, because <laughs> I, I didn't know those people, and but they knew all about me, so, um, and he would always yeah. uh, tell us closer to the end, um, you know, uh, when I was in high school, uh, he would he would come uh, to to the high school, you know. And uh, like I remember one time being in choir class and uh, him just kind of seeing him. I'm in like the section. I could see the door and the door is always closed. But I remember just seeing my dad. uh you know, kind of poking through and he had like a full beard and his hair was kind of mangly. And, and I was like, that's my dad. But I hadn't seen him in a while because he would just, again, just disappear. And you would call him and you you might get him, you might not, you know. And uh, so I went out there, I was super excited to see him, but he was just like, he seemed like super depressed um, and just was really, you know, and he would always say, closer to the end i would say in the last year and a half oh i love you don't let anyone tell you any different and he just start crying and he would just you know it would seem like someone told him that and i'd be like dad you know i know i know i love you i've never stopped loving you You know that kind of thing and he would do that with my brothers and i think my brothers kind of got tired of it and like for me i just wanted to always assure him like how much i felt loved and knew that you know he i loved him and he you know I didn't want him to think ever that I didn't because he was really important to me, you know, this mm-hmm. and that. And so it, that was, that was always sure. pretty tough whenever he would be there. Um, I learned later because like, again, when we were the way we grew up, uh, you know, again, in church and all that, uh, I think my religion was, is the reason that I can be as stubborn as I am these days. But like at the same time, uh, it's also like, we denied a lot of things, you know, like depression. You just need Jesus, you know, or, you know, autism. I just need the whooping, you know, it'd be stuff like that. And, you know, it was that sort of thing that you grew up with. And so you just kind of could give it that sort of uh, compartment and put it there, you know. Um, And people ask me, well, how can you be so positive with, you know, da, 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 da. And I'm like, I, I don't know that I'm positive. I just put it in a in its place. And when I go to that place, I'm in that situation. But when I'm not in that place anymore, I'm not dealing with that particular thing, I guess, in a way. But, you know, that was just, for me, like even thinking back on it, I just remember how I felt. And, you know, I think that's just, I mean, I hate, I hope that he never, you know, 
uh, went to his grave thinking any different. You know, I know all my brothers loved him and everything like that. So, yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to think because I had several, oh, like, yeah. a bunch of questions like pop up. We're talking about different things. Um, I think one of the first questions. So when your dad was living with you, like up until mm-hmm. your 13th birthday, during those periods of time when he would go mm-hmm. like missing, didn't know like where he was and how many days, like, did you just feel anxious a lot or scared? Was that another area where you could compartmentalize or it was like so yeah. common that you knew, oh, he's back? I'm just curious, like what the mindset of um, mm-hmm. a child or a preteen or is like in right. those those moments where he's just. You know, the the funny thing about it is I I think that uh, my original visceral response was, no, I didn't get angry. But if I think about it no, I I think I was I was angry when he go missing. I wouldn't say and maybe anxious, uh, you know, now I think about it. But like in the moment, I remember just kind of more identifying as angry just because. It's like, ah, man, you know, we needed you to, you know, I couldn't go to the awards banquet because you were my ride because mom's at church. Like mom was going to church. That was no question about it. You know what I mean? Those, And if something was going on during that time, I needed my dad to take me. Otherwise, it wasn't going to happen, you know, and a lot of times it just didn't happen. So I remember being really disappointed, uh, especially for like sports banquets and, uh, you know, choir performances uh you know miss the bus (laughs) just anything you know because i i wanted to go to school not because i loved school but i and i don't know somewhere in my head i knew it was important to go to school and you know i i didn't think that that was necessarily the big push anywhere and i remember being angry you know at my parents for for that you know you know and something i didn't mention about my sorry yeah, something I'm, I didn't mention about my dad. He was his former military, you know, uh, and things like that. And a lot of times with my brothers and I, we sit down and we 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 look back and, you know, they didn't I don't know if they really call it PTSD back then. They call it shell shock or whatever. But he was never in like an actual war. Mm. He was too young for Vietnam, but he was in the, the Korean War zone. And there was a big uh, accident that he was a part of where he ended up killing a lot of people in this car accident and being discharged honorably, but, you know, still discharged from the army. He was also in the Marines and the army and the national guards, actually. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. At oh, some wow. point he was in all three, uh, not at the same time, obviously, but um, yeah. So he was in this accident where a lot of people died and he, I remember him telling us about this accident and, you know, how he could, he was in this big army you know, one of those big like uh, army trucks where they're like moving a lot of heavy equipment and stuff like that. So he was driving one of those and uh, someone, a pedestrian ran across the street and he swerved to miss that person, but lost control of the vehicle and ran up on a bus stop full of people Yeah, in Korea. And Uh, so he said he saw bodies like, I don't know how graphic, but you know, in the actual uh, axle, and things like that and those images like never left him you know and i i think that is where i'm not saying he did didn't do drugs before that but i think that's where it probably became like self-medication and and other issues behind that so interesting yeah Yeah. because when he first came back he was yeah when he first came back i remember like us not really been allowed to like talk to him, you know what I mean? He had to come back to us kind of thing, you know? And I remember that being a thing for a while. So, yeah. Cause he wow. was there for about a year. Yeah. Really sad. Yeah. Was when, was treatment ever something that was talked about, like um, related to your dad's addiction or ever an option that was explored or something that was pushed for? No. no. Yeah, was addiction yeah, no, ever no. talked yeah. about? Not even treatment. Like, did you ever even? Did your mom ever might, say addiction? Did you ever like that? But it was, you just need Jesus. You just, you know, we need to keep praying for him. You know, stuff like that. It was never. That was 
that was never like the, you know, no, we didn't until my mom. So, you know, my mom was a high school dropout, you know, so she had like, you know, her idea of things and like, she'll tell you to this day, she just didn't know any better. But now, I mean, she's got her, she's gone back to school since I went to college, you know, and she's got now uh, an associate's degree in education. So she knows a lot more now, like her attitude behind like how to raise kids, how to treat people is like way different and like uh, mental, mental and social issues. She's aware of those things now. I'd honestly say that she just didn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. back then. And so all we knew was, you know, well, just pray for him, you know, and that was, yeah, and that's as close as we ever got. Um, Really not uncommon, I don't think. I think, I think in general, it's getting a lot better in the world with like people having more of an understanding Mm -hmm. of mental health and addiction, but there's still the struggle of so many people who just see it as like a moral failing yeah. and, you know, Oh, they're just bad mm-hmm. people or doing bad things. And they, you know, why don't they just stop? Um, so your mom is definitely yeah. not unique for, you know, thinking those things. I just, I think it's something where a lot yeah. of people just aren't educated on addiction. And I think luckily yeah. it's starting to get better. There's yeah, no, I mean, a I lot remember do, even, but... and now I think about it, my dad, he, we used to call it a crazy check, but I remember him going for, uh, he telling us about how he went for a psychiatric evaluation because he felt like he was going crazy, but like they said, no, there's nothing wrong with you. And, uh, you know, they wouldn't like give him services through the, you know, VA or anything like that. And so, but again, they, I don't think they had PTSD at that point, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you look at the trauma that happened, I mean, it's a big deal, you know? And I I think that it Mm -hmm. just, he, he dealt with it in the way he dealt with it, which is, you know, drugs and alcohol, you know, and it, you know, at some point it did get the best of him. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk kind of about your dad's was, passing. Uh, How old were you when he passed? So I was uh, finishing up my freshman year of college. 20. And, uh, you know, I remember, uh, so we had been talking on the phone, you know, probably once a week or something like that. And, you know, I, you know, he just told me how proud he was and, you know, he did the same, you know, I love you. Don't let anybody tell you different. He'd be crying on the phone and this and that. And, uh, you know, I'd be like, dad, I love you too. He had just had an accident at work, uh, where he cut off like the tip of his thumb or something like that. And so he was supposed to get a settlement check and he kept saying, well, I'm not going to forget about you. I'm going to get you a car. I'm proud of you. You're in college. I'm going to buy you a car. Um, you know, don't you worry when I get my settlement money, it's supposed to be coming soon. And, and, uh, you know, he goes, you know, call me next week, uh, you know, about that, you know, I should be getting my check next week. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. I'll call you. And so, you know, I'm, I call him, no answer, you know, calling back a little bit later, no answer. And, and then I call my aunt and my uncle, the kind of the, the standard thing that I was used to. And, um, no, no response, nobody, you know, at the time they all said they didn't know where he was. And, uh, later found out they they did know where he was. And actually for those five days, he, he did in fact get that check because I still have his wallet with the check in it um, or the stub of the check in it. And uh, he, he had basically gone on a bender for, you know, uh, five days straight where he did not sleep. He was, uh, I think it was, his drug of choice was uh, co- crack cocaine so uh, I remember my uh, cousin was a drug dealer back then. And uh, so he he actually sold my dad, you know, the drugs. And um, so, yeah, they, <laughs> you know, so that, you know, and their their philosophy on it was, well, if he didn't buy it for me, he'd buy it for someone else, you know. And it took me a while to even have that conversation with my cousins. And I was angry for a minute and. I didn't want to have that conversation for a long time. And then finally, when we did, 
you know, I was in a place where I could at least accept whatever they said because my dad was who he was. And you were, you, it's true. He wasn't, he was going to find it, you know, and they, that was their business at the time, I guess, you know. And uh, he was found, he was in a hotel, not yeah. a hotel, but like a, like a rundown, you know, area of the city. And um, he had been, you know, he had prostitutes in there. He had had, you know, other, you know, drug, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you call them, but people doing drugs with him. I knew this about, you know, he, he hated needles. So I know he smoked, uh, smoked it, you know, cause he didn't, you know, he couldn't stand needles. Absolutely hated them. Um, and one of my, uh, cousins was the last person to see him alive. Um, and, uh, he, she said, you know, she just had talked to him and he said, he's going to get some sleep. Um, earlier in the week though, my uncle had talked to him and he was just, he just, he was super depressed. He was super down. He didn't feel like anybody loved him. He, uh, he couldn't, he's just said he couldn't sleep, you know, cause when he sleeps, you know, he just had, you know, bad things in his head and this and that. And, you know, uh, he went to sleep finally that at the end of that week. And, um, I was supposed to go home that weekend, but I had just got, uh, um, a position where they were going to pay for my, my room and board for college for school. So I had to stay for the orientation for that. And, you know, we're, I remember being really bummed about not being able to go home. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I get interrupted in the training and my, it's my brother, my oldest brother. And I'm like, Hey, what are you doing here? And uh, like, I was excited. I'm like, wow, what a surprise, you know? And he was, he was happy to see me, but you could yeah. tell there was something. And so for a second, he did kind of just talk to me like my brother and then he just kind of broke down and he goes, dad, they found dad. He's dead. And I was like, what? No, uh, what are you talking about? His dad, you know, he's Superman. He's a superhero. He's the strongest guy, you know, you know, strongest guy I knew, you know, and uh, tough as tough as nails, you know. But yeah, that's, you know, that's how I found out. He just went to sleep and never woke up and they found him land like he always did and my youngest brother and my oldest brother were the ones that went to identify him and uh my youngest brother said oh. i felt like i could just wake him up just happen and he just woke yeah. up but yeah so yeah it's really sad yeah and, i guess uh, well thank you for sharing that story out i mean uh, my mom was killed when I was 18. And so coming, you can, you can remember the story so vividly when you find out. So appreciate you yeah. sharing that because I, it's, I it's always that. difficult to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We yeah, have a no, driveway no. conversation about it. Yeah. <laughs> All of them come out on the driveway. Yeah. A lot of right. <laughs> yeah. They do. Yeah. So, I mean, was there a sense of like when you heard your dad passed, obviously that's awful. Was there a sense of relief that kind of came over you because, you know, he went missing, like all of that, like because of the drugs, was there a sense of relief? Like maybe now he's at peace uh, or anything like that? That's, that's a hard question to answer. I think overall, just because like for me personally, he was like the, the person that motivated me the most you know what I mean to do well in school and you know try to be better than whatever it was that we were currently you know and um you know he was even though he wasn't there a lot I mean he was there the game my biggest football game of my high school career and the next day we're grabbing a newspaper and there I am on the front page of the sports section and he was there with me you know what I mean so that kind of stuff you know I missed you know I did you know I missed right away you know and I thought about and this and that and uh I I think the struggle that I had was again the religion piece of it was uh you know technically according to the religion I was in my father was in hell and so for me I had I struggled with that hard I mean I really I had to really 
redefined my whole relationship with God behind my father's death. Death. So I, I don't know that I would call it a relief. Mm-hmm. It was more of a, it was a struggle that took years and years to sort of reconcile with because I knew the man, you know, and hell is for bad people. And my dad wasn't a bad person. I mean, he had bad habits, you know, and, and an addiction, which I, I, again, I didn't know about all this stuff until so much later in life, you know, at the time you're, you're a 20 year old kid. You don't, you know, you don't know it that way. And I don't know that relief, I don't know that I felt the relief, um, more of a, you know, concern or a struggle or, you know, did you uh, ever feel like angry at him for, for like, you know, using drugs that like, you know, oh, you did this and now you're not here. Was there no, anger? No, it was or... weird. No, I, I, I mean, of outside just... of the end of the moment, you know, I needed you after that, you know, it was just, you know, it was, it was what he did, I yeah. guess, my whole life. So it wasn't like a not normal thing. So it wasn't like stop doing this or I guess I thought if it was a problem for him because he was so strong he would just stop doing it or Mm -hmm. he would if if he let it get in his way so like for example I remember you know in college I mean I I smoked a little pot you know and by a little I mean a lot of pot but like at the same time you know I remember he (laughs) when he came to visit me uh, and the one the one time he did actually come up there he actually you know slept on my my dorm room floor or whatever. And, uh, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he was just, he didn't want to be a part of that, you know, which was weird in itself. You know, he didn't want to be a part of that. So I didn't obviously do it because he was like, no, that's not a good thing to do. So, and yeah, right. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So again, I never, you know, outside, even when he smoked pot, I knew he was smoking pot because you can smell it. I never saw it though. I never saw him outside of alcohol. I never saw my dad do any drugs that I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's separate from, from like he didn't want you to see him. And you, and you two never had a conversation of dad, why are you doing these drugs? Do you need help? Can I help you? Like there was never a conversation. Like you guys never had a conversation of, are you an addict? Was just us, uh, talking about um how college was i had an eyebrow piercing and both ears pierced and two tattoos you know what i mean all of a sudden i'm this choir boy all the way through high school and then all of a sudden i had, I lost a lot of weight because <laughs> well, now i'm you know about as big as i was in high school but uh you know i was an offensive lineman but like in college i didn't play football you know i played rugby and i was like skinny and fast you know versus big and athletic i guess and Mm -hmm. so like i like totally changed everything about me and he goes you know he goes i think you have enough piercings and that was you know what i mean and he really never again he wasn't one of those to tell you how to live your life he was just like but he goes just do me one flavor you don't need any more piercings i think you got enough it looks cool on you but I think any more would just be, you know, overdone or something like that is what he said. So that day I went home and took the ear, eye, eyebrow ring out and I never wore another eyebrow ring again. So I so just stuck with the two ears and things like that. Mm. Obviously, I couldn't do anything about the tattoos. But that was our conversation. He, he cooked me uh, zucchini and squash for the first time. I'd never had it before that day. And he cooked that and some baked chicken. And, you know, me, him, his girlfriend, and my uncle – we all sat down and ate and my uncle drove me back to the house and everything. And that was pretty much, that was the last time I saw him. It was a good, it was a good conversation. And that was where he was telling me about buying the, the, the truck. And we talked a little bit about religion. I mean, you know, the difference between like, you know, the, uh, you know, Muslim, because my uncle was a Muslim, you know, and Christians and stuff like that, but it wasn't, we never talked about drugs. We never really talked about like, there's so much I wish. I mean, that's the stuff I miss. Like I, I wish that I could have had that conversation with my father, like about being an adult, how to do that, you know, how to be mm-hmm. a father to, you know, to my son or, you know, 
how to make sure he knows every single day, like my dad did for me that, that I love him, you know, and things like that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So you, you bring up your son. And so now that you know a little bit more about addiction and it does run in your family and it is, um, you know, it is a family disease, X, Y, Z. I mean, have you had conversations? He's 13. Have you had conversations with him? Do you plan to? I mean, I don't, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. I knowing mean, your son, I don't know if he's dabbled yeah, he's, in any he's, of that. He's a choir boy <laughs> like I was, but, you know, in high school and that, I mean, um, he's tech in, you know, eighth grade. So we really hadn't had like a deep drug conversation or anything. I think it's just been more on the lines of, you know, you know, he's an athlete, you know, he plays baseball and things like that. And we talk, uh, talk to him about just being healthy, taking care of his body, not wanting to put the wrong things in his body and kind of uh, approaching it from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, he knows the story of my father, uh, not the, the story I just told today, you know what I mean? But like, at least he's got, he's got like at least some of the groundwork. I think that he's probably ready to hear. And, you know, I think it is, it's a conversation I think that we need to go deeper on, but I think based on where he is currently, I mean, he's got an idea of it because they teach it more in school and this and that. But like, uh, I think when he gets a little bit older, you know, we're, I've been trying to talk about girls and drugs and all that (laughs) other stuff with him. And, you know, I mean, if it comes up in a conversation where maybe there's a story about how I was, you know, high one time or something, I might sort of throw in a public, uh, you know, announcement that, you know, it's not something you want to do, but it's not like a deep conversation that we've had to really sit down and have, I don't think yet. I'm curious, how have your, um, your views on addiction changed over time, you know, like from basically not even identifying it as you were a kid Mm. and not even accepting it right. as uh, the cause of some of the things to your dad dying of an overdose. And like, um, I think I was, we were very similar. We came from a family where my dad was a functional alcoholic and I had no okay. idea, no yeah. idea. And yeah. it wasn't until I met my husband and realized like, and got into like, realized like, Oh, he has a problem. Like, and then getting into treatment and learning so much about addiction that I even knew it was a disease Um, so it's just very interesting. Like, just curious how your, uh, views on addiction have evolved over time. Yeah. I mean, and now I know you don't just go, he needs Jesus. Right. Yeah. Sure. Jesus is good. I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, you need help. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that overall, uh, the biggest change is just understanding that, uh, you know, that it's not something that you, a lot of, you know, when you're truly addicted, you need help. You can't go through it alone. Uh, you need a good support system. It's not an easy, easy fix. You know, you don't, a lot of people can't just stop, you know, my, uh, my oldest brother, he was able to just stop, you know, and he truly was able to just find religion and stop. Right. But he, he was the oldest. He's six years older than me. So he actually dabbled in, in drugs, you know, with my father. So, I mean, he, he yeah. got introduced to some of the stuff, you know, and he, he's got a whole different story, you know. Uh, but, like, obviously, uh, you know, he, he was able to just stop. So I don't know that any everybody could do that. And I don't know that he ever got to the point where he felt addicted because he was able to just stop and never do it again for I don't know, 40, not 40 years, uh, you know, over 20 plus years, you know, just don't do it anymore mm-hmm. kind of attitude. And he just never did. But like, uh, you know, as far as, you know, people that I know, I've, I've known people that are addicted to pills uh, and, and other things and had another good friend of mine who, you know, you know, committed suicide, you know, using alcohol and pills because he was so depressed and a lot of it i mean there's always an underlying issue and you can almost say you know speak to a trauma or a way that like even led him to those drugs and so you can't really judge them based off that because i know 
in the environment I grew up in, we judged drug, you know, drug heads and drug addicts, you know, because it was so easy to find one, you know, like when I say my cousin sold drugs, I mean, it was, it was easy. I mean, we grew up in the inner city and uh, that was a thing that wouldn't have been a problem for any of us to do. We could have just said, "Uh, I want to sell drugs or however you say it. I don't know. But then there you are selling drugs, you know, and and it, it was, that easy to access and and the clientele was that easy to access as well so you know it it was it was the environment that we lived in you know so you almost accepted it as reality and the people that are addicted they were just weak-minded and they you know they deserved what they got (laughs) but when it was my father it was like oh wait you know right probably not the quite a bit yeah yeah that yeah. interesting that you said bit. your dad wouldn't even smoke pot with you and like you right. never witnessed it but that he did kind of engage in drug use with your older brother yeah well he was older you know what i mean he was yeah. you know i mean i say he's older but he was like maybe 16 17 I, I don't yeah know. yeah you know but like he was at the age and they were more like buddies you know they were like best friends i mean he took it the hardest because he yeah. was he was like a third parent, you know, a lot of times because my mom would be at church and my, uh, you know, my dad would be wherever. And so it fell on my brother, you know, to come, you know, sometimes to come get us or he'd have his wife come get us. Like she was, they were like our secondary parents, you know, not, you know, not to down my, my parents, but like my brother is like a parent a lot, mm-hmm. you know. And so there are times where my wife goes, how do you let him talk to you like that? I'm like, oh. He's always talked to me like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he's, we were told at an early age, that he's, you know, he's a 12-year-old, you know, bossing around a six-year-old. What are yeah. you going to do? Yeah. You're going to listen to him because he's a big brother. And mom said, listen. Right. So, yeah. Well, and we have, like, learned in our family group and, like, through the, um, the, like, family therapy that, you know, when there's, like, chaos, even whether it's addiction or not, just like Mm -hmm. the roles that different family members take on for like coping. Like some people take on that, like, Oh, I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take care of everyone. Like the fixer, other people take on like the role where they're just going to pretend nothing is happening. Like really detach. Some people might take on the, like, Oh, I'm going to be like the class clown and like bring, like relief to everyone and so it's just interesting you know even within a family everyone responds to the situation so so differently and it sounds like you know you and your brother handled it differently yeah. and yeah I mean I was yeah I was just the roles a, have to take school, on believe it or not I was like a wallflower I really I just kept my head down and didn't want to be a part of a lot of things I think I the the things I was and it's I know it's hard to believe um you know, knowing me now, but like, it wasn't until I got to to college that I like really yes. you know, sort of blossomed. I was, I mean, I I didn't feel I was basically for all intents and purposes because my oldest brother was like the the parent. You know, I was like the middle child because you had the brother older than me and the one uh, two one two years older than me, one two years younger than me, and then the other one six years older. And he was always the boss. So, you know, we almost moved him out because he pretty much had special privileges, you know, as the big brother. And, uh, you know, but like, you know, I was the middle child and I felt like forgotten. So I just had to sort of fend for myself, I felt, most of the time. And so it, it wasn't too crazy, that whole dynamic. You know, for me, I just kind of figured out my way. But like, I just put my head down and goes, I already have my plan. I'm, I'm getting out of here as soon as I can. You know, that kind of thing. And my mm-hmm. dad seemed to support that for whatever reason. Like, go do your thing, man. I, I, and, oh, you know, in our last conversation, that was one thing he, he did tell me. You know, he said, uh, he said, I don't worry about you. He goes, I worry about your youngest brother. And, you know, I just don't know about, you know, if, he, if he's going to be okay. You got to look after him. And he said, you know, well, my brother just older than me. You know, he goes... He's a he's a mama's boy, so he'll be okay because mom will take care of him, you know. And uh, yeah, obviously my oldest brother, you know, he is already you know already carving his own path, and 
he said, I know you, you and him will be okay, but he was really worried about my youngest brother and, you know, and things like that. So he just said, look after him, you know, but that's just kind of where we were. I don't know. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, I mean, I think we kind of covered quite a bit with you today, Al. I mean, does anybody else have any questions yeah. for him? Um, I just wanted to say, you know, thanks for sharing your story with us. And um, I'm really glad you got to have, you know, like that last conversation mm-hmm. with your dad was like a, a positive one. Yeah. Um, sorry that you don't get to have more. Um, mm-hmm. Jake, you know, everything that you opened up to us about. I have one question not pertaining to your family, but just curious Oh, uh, when you found out yeah. about Steve being a recovering heroin addict, <laughs> like, uh, what, what was that like? It was like, what? Okay. <laughs> I mean, so different. Just so different. Like, <laughs> like for me, again, I, you already have that image of, you know, what uh, a heroin addict looks like. And it wasn't Steve. So, <laughs> you know, for me, I'm like, wow, like 360 or 180 total different person, you know, than the stories that I heard and I'm like, holy smokes. Wow. I I did not, you know, it, it floored me when I actually learned yeah. about it. So I, but at the same time, I, I mean, I wanted to be a supportive friend. My father was, uh, you know, a, an addict and things like that. So, and everything I've heard about heroin, I know it was like a super uh, addicting thing so i mean for me i i I wasn't sure like should i be drinking this beer or should i be like you know that kind of thing but i mean he was pretty cool about it and and so it wasn't an awkward conversation by any means i don't think once i understood that that was the scenario you know what i mean i was just more shocked and amazed by it you know uh i just I, i think he's an amazing guy so um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that he's been able to sort of stay away from it as long as he has. So mm-hmm. us too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, again, Al, thank you so much, uh, for tuning in. Hopefully this story relates to a lot of our listeners um, who may have been a child with a parent with addiction. Uh, so hopefully you can kind of give Community. them a little yeah. sense of kind of Community. Um, yeah. comfort and like, like it's a nice tribe. Nice you're not alone. Yes. Yeah. You're not alone, everybody. Yeah. Wonderful. Know. I don't know. Sorry, I yes. thought I was going to say something positive there. All right, thank you guys think... for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right, everyone. Well, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.